Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. Excited to have you with us this afternoon along with our special guest, Robin Chaddock. Robin is uh, someone who came into my life in 2005 via her one of her books, Discovering Your Divine Assignment. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then, she has been one of my favorite people to follow and excited to have her here today to talk with us about passion and purpose, the power of partnering with God. I love this. During the next hour, you're going to discover how to unearth God's vision for your life, the number one key to breaking free from limiting thinking, rules you must play by if you want to succeed, how to begin a personal archaeological dig for your destiny, strategies for discovering your greatest strengths, tactics for tackling your mental trash, what to do when life interrupts your best laid plans, and the only way to be sure you're partnering with God full time. Our guest today, Robin Chaddock, is an insightful speaker, author, seminar leader, and life coach who helps others clarify values and passions, achieve a sense of balance, deepen their alliance with God, improve energy and financial management, and grow through life transitions. She makes her home in Indiana with her husband of 22 years, David, and their two children, Madison and Grant. Welcome to you, Robin. Well, thank you, Marnie. Thank you very much. It's it's a pleasure to be here. And we have another thing in common. We both are married to Dave. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Well, How wonderful. This, yeah, and this isn't that unusual. Actually, I have three sisters. And of the four of us girls that are married, all three of us have married Dave. So apparently, <laughs> it's that the thing funny? to do. <laughs> I know oh, it that's is funny. That's that's great. <laughs> yeah. I have a great story. My uh, my sister was traveling one time after she had married the third Dave, and uh, my grandparents, who were then in their uh, late seventies, met them at the met her at the airport to just visit her on her layover. And uh, my grandpa said to her, "Vicky, what is your husband's name again?" And she said, "Dave." Grandpa, they're all named Dave. And he said, that's so confusing. <laughs> that's so confusing. <laughs> that a great response? <laughs> that is very funny. Oh, that's funny. So, I would think that is, would be, like, great. So you'd never have to easier. worry who you're calling Dave. Yeah, that'd be good. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, well, we are talking today about one of my favorite topics, the vision, mission, passion, purpose, mm. all this kind of thing is right mm. up my alley. I just love it. Mm. And you've been just a um, great resource in this way. And I wanted to start today with, uh, you wanted to share a little bit about unearthing God's vision for your life, because a lot of you that are listening maybe are still like, yeah, he probably has a purpose, but I've got no clue. You know, I, I just, mm. uh, I have no idea. So how do you approach it? How do you encourage uh, people that really aren't sure uh, where to find it? What do you suggest? Well, one thing I suggest right off the bat is um, is trust your gut. Um, and, uh, you know, there, the purpose for which we were each created is is not meant to be this really um, lofty, hidden under a rock, um, you know, really difficult to find kind of thing. In fact, Paul said, you know, the the uh, purpose, each of our purposes, is written on our hearts, and and so for me, um, the beginning point is to be able to um, recognize that because God loves me, uh, and because I. Um, because God trusts me, I can trust my own heart in, in you know, in, in 
a series of conversations with God, um, unfoldings, uh, just listening um, carefully to myself, uh, listening carefully to you know the spirit of God within me, and then and then also you know talking with people who I really trust, who can help me gain some perspective on those things. But it really starts with um, you know kind of settling down and saying you know it's it's already inside of me. Um, maybe I just need to to uh, trust myself a little bit and listen. Yeah. So what do you say? What do you say? There's kind of a controversy, maybe a little controversy, not too big, but uh, between the thoughts of, you know, God's calling on your life, his vision for your life is going to line up with your strengths, with your natural, with your natural abilities versus God's calling on your life is going to really focus on your weaknesses and he's going to develop those and create those into, you know, your purpose, your future um, vision you know what what he's crazy to do how, how do you think about it well that's i think that is a super good question and and in fact there's a you know the um there's a group called Gallup that has done a lot of work on strengths quest um and you know living from people's strengths and what they've actually scientifically found is that people function better when they are living from their strengths rather than when they're trying to just constantly shore up their uh, their weaknesses, and um, it's not to say that we don't acknowledge our weaknesses and when we have time, work on them, <laughs> but but constantly focusing on our weaknesses, then we're focusing on weakness, and if we're, if we're more geared toward focusing on strengths and, um, and our, our natural abilities and our natural passions um, that are then um, oh, I, you know, sort of ensconced or, or, you know, as we dig ourselves into the love of God for us, that uh, understanding that love of God and using that as the springboard for using our strengths, I think is a more powerful way to live. That's just me, you know, I, I, and there are always going to be controversies. <laughs> Right. about all right. kinds exactly. of things. So, you know, right. I mean, I, I, I can understand why people might say the other. I I think, I think you know, I just don't have that much time in my life to sit around focusing on my weaknesses and have that be a productive life, you know, for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, need to, right. I need to capture the strengths and say, okay, dear God, where are we going with this? <laughs> Well, right, and I think I think that what happens, and I, I that's where I'm at too. I, I believe that a loving father would create us with the strengths that we needed in order to accomplish the works that he's flowing mm-hmm. through us. I mean, mm-hmm. he wouldn't mm-hmm. make me me and then want me to be Michael Jordan. I mean, that just wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like he made me me because he wanted me to be me. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. in the you know in the reality of that, I see every strength, every greatest strength has a greatest weakness. I mean, it's a corresponding mm-hmm. thing. It's not like you go out of your way to find your weakness and develop, you know, and 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 live in it. It's the <laughs> fact that as you live in your strength. And that weakness is going to be there, you know, and so it, it's just something that God can continue to, you know, in our weakness, he's made strong. Yes. So what's, yes. the, what's, what's the number one key to breaking free from a limiting thought process? Well, I, my number one key and the one, number one key I suggest for others is truly and honestly coming to a place of self-acceptance and, the recognition that yes, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and I am also flawed, and it's it's me and my entirety that God loves, and and so if I can honestly and truly um, get to a point where you know we're realizing that that kind of self appreciation, um, self acceptance, self love. Um, it can can really take hold in my life that I can start to break free from the negativity and the um, the limiting you know the self limiting thoughts. A lot of it has to do with the script that we use for our lives, and is my script that I'm you know worthless and untrustworthy and ugly and you know just really a a bad piece of work 
um, or is my script that I am beautiful and I am a human (laughs) with my strengths and my weaknesses. Um, And, you know, and part of it too, Marnie, and this is going to sound kind of crazy, but part of it too is just um, moving away from this obsession with myself. (laughs) Oh, right. You know, no, and just true. constantly always looking at myself and pondering myself and am I doing good enough and am I being enough and am I, you know, what do people think of me and do I have enough and all that kind of stuff. That's just really down. Right. No, I think as long as, like, it's true, as long as we're performing for ourselves, it's just going to be really hard to mm-hmm. ever be enough, be enough, have enough, mm-hmm. do enough. Um, mm-hmm. And even, you know, even I always say, you know, live for an audience of one. Yeah. That's, that's my attempt every day is just to, you know, as soon as it's getting distorted in my head. And, you know, we can all feel this. I, I use the analogy of the dolphin. You know, a dolphin is a water dweller, but an air breather. Has to come nice. up for air every few minutes. We are yes. we are earth dwellers, but we are prayer breathers. We have to come up for prayer every few minutes or we begin to suffocate <laughs> and all of us can feel that emotionally you know nobody has to tell me you're getting upset you're getting stressed mm-hmm. out you're mm-hmm. feeling anxious here you're worried mm-hmm. now you know those are things that we just experience but as long as we're living for an audience of, of self um then those things are kind of required i need mm-hmm. to feel a little worried when i'm in a situation that might be dangerous mm-hmm. um, that's my job right if i'm living for me mm-hmm. that's my job now, if I'm living for an audience, one, my job is actually to trust God in those moments. That's mm-hmm. a whole different job. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's, mm-hmm. it's, I totally agree that it's what's happening inside the head and it's who you're choosing, who you're choosing to focus on in any given moment is going to determine the thoughts that you're having in that moment. Mm-hmm. Is that too simplistic? Yeah. No, that's not too simplistic at all. And I think one thing that's really um, challenging and very can be very, very helpful is to uh, kind of go back to um, to childhood evening even and start to ask where did those where did those self-absorbed thoughts come from? Where did those self-negating thoughts come from? Um, was what was happening? Um, as I was growing up that made me think that I needed to think a certain way about myself, um, especially if it's self-deprecating or self-limiting, um, you know, what? why did, why was that going on? Who was telling me that? And now that I'm a grown-up, how do I, again, go back to the script, how do I rewrite my script so that I can focus on God's unconditional love for me and not worry about what the neighbors are thinking or what the, you know, Sunday school classes thinking or the, um, you know, the checkout person at the grocery store. <laughs> My mom, you know, the, 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 who, yeah, who's the mom, exactly. you know, who, who are you living exactly. the audience, you know, who's if the you audience really, you're living for. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so that, you know, when I was growing up, I was taught, and I think, I think it was um, maybe just a, a turn of phrase that could have been different. I grew up thinking that I was not supposed to accept myself. Mm-hmm. But I think what I grew up, what, what they were intending was don't complacent with yourself, you know, don't, um, don't get too full of yourself kind of thing. Right. Um, but I think that self-obsession is very different from self-acceptance. And, um, and, you know, learning to really see myself through God's eyes. Um, the positives and the negatives, and know that all of it's loved. It doesn't matter. You know, it's all loved, and, and my job okay. is to is to work with the positives and the negatives as, you know, as God works in my life and loves me to be me. <laughs> Absolutely. Next, you're going to share with us some playground rules. You have six playground rules, <laughs> which I just love. <laughs> and um, playground rule number one is don't throw stones. So, don't throw stones. That's, that's it's not nice. You know what I love about these playground rules, and, and it's something that I love about the Gospels um, just in general, and that is if we, really, if we really look at the words of Jesus and really, you know, kind of 
sink ourselves into them and kind of put ourselves in the place of being with him while he's talking. Jesus had such a great sense of humor, you know, and he had such a great way of bringing things into the everyday. And so these playground rules really are just are just things that that move through the gospels that Jesus said, hey, you know what, if you want to get along with yourself and if you want to get along with other people, here are a few things, you know, that in the playground of life, you might want to start thinking about these. So the number one, you know, number one is what you just said, don't throw stones. And, you know, that, that means don't, if you um, are tempted to, uh, to be judgmental of other people, um, rein that in. <laughs> you know what I always think. That I always might not think, be your I best. Right. I just think just just run it to Jesus. Actually, um, uh-huh. you know, it's not. You know, like it's a secret. Like everybody has to tell somebody a secret. You know, I mean. So you have a secret. You say, Marty, I'm going to tell you something, but don't tell anybody. Well, Robin, you actually couldn't keep a secret yourself, right? Then you told me. How do you expect me not to keep a secret? You know, or to keep that secret? You know, we all have to tell somebody. But actually, Jesus is somebody. And so when yeah. we run that secret to Jesus, I have that satisfaction of having told somebody. Having but told I didn't somebody. Break, but I didn't break your confidence. And, you know, with this, right. you know, throw stones too. You're mad right now. You're seeing this. And you are, like, agitated by what you're observing. This person is mm-hmm. hurting themselves or they're hurting someone mm-hmm. else or whatever. Run mm-hmm. to Jesus. He's mm-hmm. real. He's a person. And mm-hmm. he actually, instead of throwing stones at the person, most likely mm-hmm. they're hurting themselves, you know, most likely they're mm-hmm. in pain already. Yeah. So, yes. Jesus, Isn't that you know, true? And he's the one that can really tell us what to do in that moment. Okay. What's playground rule mm-hmm. number two? Uh, playground rule number two, have plenty of water on hand. Uh, I love, I love Jesus um, injunction to us to, you know, cup of cool water in my name. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Who's thirsty in your life? Who's, you know, who's needing just something really, really simple. Um, but the key was give that cup of cool water in my name. So in partnership with me, you know, and let the other person know that you're giving them that water or you're doing them that, um, that service or, or being loving to them because Jesus loves you. You know, you're doing it because, hey, I've been touched by the love of God and I want to share that with you and pass that along. But it can be really simple. It can be really. And I love, that's what I love about these. They're just, they're playground. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Rule number three is don't keep score. Don't keep score. Right. Um, I have, I, my children are grown now, but I did have two small children who were very, very conscious of who got the bigger piece of cake when it came time to pass out the cake. And um, aren't a lot of us, like kids, we're looking around, well, so-and-so has more than I do, or I have more than so-and-so does. Or, you know, we, we're, it, again, it's that other focus, you know, that focus on the other. And um, don't keep score as to who's done you right or who's done you wrong. Don't, don't keep score. Um, don't keep score as to who has more than you do or who has less than you do. That's, those are all really you know, false comparisons, and and they need to go away. <laughs> I love it. If we're going to person to person. I love number four, and I'm so curious. Play, hide, and seek. Oh, this is one of my favorites because you know what? You want, oh, gosh, Marnie, just imagine what life would be like if every day you and I had the intention of going out into the world and seeing who was lost, seeing who is hidden, um, seeing who is in need of someone to come to them and say, I see you, you're important, you matter. And, um, you know, seeing, seeing people who are lost, who, who may themselves feel like nobody cares about them, um, or, you know, I mean, there may be a mental illness or just uh, all kinds of things. And they feel, you know, they feel like they don't matter. Um, my husband's a marriage and family therapist. And he said that one of our top needs as humans is to, is to know that we're seen, you know, to know that we're, we're valued, to know that, um, that, 
you know, somebody else is validating us in a in a loving way. And so, you know, I, and, and I teach right now, I teach um, during the school year at a, a community college and um, it, the community college I teach in has a lot of folks in it that would be easy to ignore in the culture. You know, they're just not, they're just, they're just, they would be easy to ignore. And so every day when I go to school, I think, okay, how can I show my students that I see them? You know that I value them. So play hide and seek, and and find <laughs> find who needs to have someone speak a good word. You know. You know what I know about God too is I know that What's he that? does like he he does like gradient Easter egg hunt things with this hide and seek thing. So if he's just a beginner, he's gonna yeah. lay them right out there on the lawn for you. And if you are more advanced, he's gonna make you look a little harder. <laughs> good stuff that I'm going to start stealing, okay? <laughs> okay. I'm right, yeah, I'm right all, down all, all these really cool things you're saying. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Okay, what's rule number five? Rule number five, people are always more important than rules. Um, and my favorite, my favorite, one of my favorite stories is uh, the story in John of the woman who was caught in adultery. And, um, you know, and, and the um, the the religious people of the day brought her and cast her before Jesus and said, you know, hey, look at this, you know. And the whole story, when you look at it, it's all just um, really intriguing. You know, what was Jesus writing in the dirt when he was writing? And I just want to know, what was he thinking? Was his first inclination to say, y'all, you know, you're just really not getting this. Right, right. And in a way, he did say that, but he said it more kindly in that, um, <laughs> you know, if, if you haven't ever done anything wrong, you go right ahead and you pick up a stone. Here, I'll hand it to you, you know. And um, one by one, they all left. And then he went to her and he said, who's here that's, you know, that's now enforcing the rules? And she said, well, no one. And he said, you know what, you're more important to me than the rules are. Just don't do this stuff anymore because it's not about the rules. It's because the things you were doing hurt you. You know, the things you were doing degrade you. Don't do that. Don't don't live like that. And so, you know, the the rules per se were going to get her killed. Um, where Jesus said, it's it's more about how to help you live. I love that too. Rule number six, don't call names. Don't call <laughs> names. It's Be not nice. nice. <laughs> Be nice. It's not nice. You know, I and I love I love those gospel where the gospel stories when he says, you know, don't call your brother an idiot, don't call your sister a you know, a moron. Just you know, just don't do that. That's not nice. Don't call them Whatever it is you feel like calling them, because, well, you know, and one reason why this is so important, especially if we're dealing with, especially for people who are in authority, um, parents and whatnot, if you call people names, they may start to believe what you say, and they may start to live into what you say. Again, it goes back to those scripts. You know, if I got a script when I was little that I was stupid, because that was the name that I was called, I'm going to carry that with me into my adulthood, and I'm going to act that way. And so, you know, if we're going to call somebody something, let's call out the best in them. <laughs> Boy, that's and not something sure. ugly. Right, that's yeah. That's yeah. Well, you actually talk about doing personal archaeological digs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, a personal archaeological dig. I I, um, I teach uh, a lot of journaling classes um, right now, and and when we're doing journaling, I tell people it's kind of like um, a, an archaeological dig. There's a children's museum here in Indianapolis, and they have an archaeological site, and they give the kids these little goggles and these little these little tiny scrapers and these little brushes, and they teach them how to scrape away, you know, just a little layer of something and then brush it off and look and see what's there. They don't, they don't give the children dynamite that, you know, they're just going to <laughs> right. blow the whole thing up. 
So um, when we're doing a personal archaeological dig, what we're doing is we're learning about who we are. And we're doing it in a very um, gentle um, yet consistent way. Um, we're, uh, Paul had this great advice to his friends in Galatia. It's, it's out of the message, and it says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given and then sink yourself into it. Isn't that awesome? Beautiful. So, you know, careful exploration of who you are as a person, the work you've been given, and then find out how to just sink yourself into it, how to live it out, you know. And so this per- personal archaeological dig is all about, you know, what what am I looking for? I'm looking for who I am as a person. I'm looking for um, personality traits. I'm looking for preferences, Um I'm looking at ways, you know, that I might be stretched. Um, it might be that something, uh, you know, is, is a gift, but it's going to be stretched a little bit. I'm looking for ways that I can be healed. Um, are there ways that I need to be healed right now that, so that I can move more fully into who I am? Um, you know, as, as, as we go on our archaeological dig, it's going to be, it's honestly going to be something that's written in our hearts. And uh, again, like, you know, like Paul said, there's, there are, what we're being called to is written in our hearts. So the archaeological dig is, is asking myself good questions. Like, what have I always been about in life? Um, Do I prefer, you know, like the Myers-Briggs, am I more of an introvert? Am I more of an extrovert? Am I more someone who works from my head? Am I, do I work from my heart? And, and then being able, again, to, you know, circle back around to the question you asked me earlier, being able to say, that is who I am, and thank God that's who I am, and so let's get on with this. <laughs> you know, let's get on with me being able to live into who I am as a, as a God-given creature what i really like about that concept of the archaeological dig is that like you said it's not an explosion you don't have to you know you don't have to just crush every last thing that you've ever done or accomplished to figure this out it can be a very gentle process and Mm -hmm. one of the things that is really helpful is to just start uh with this year and go backwards and just kind of as the years go back just remember any Mm -hmm. high points that happened in those years maybe go through your calendar or whatever yeah it's amazing to watch that there are seasons there's seasons of much activity in your spiritual life and then there's sometimes seasons of much activity in your physical realm not Mm -hmm. so much in your spiritual realm and that Mm -hmm. used to bother me it used to bother me that sometimes i would feel like i didn't have as much time for god and then a friend had told me Many years ago, that helped me so much. Marty, you don't have time right now. He's got you doing this other stuff. It'll come back mm. around. Just, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, the, there's, there's the laws, the, the tides in, the tides out, the seasons come, mm-hmm. the seasons go. You know, there's laws in place. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be exactly the same or not always looking like it's getting better, but things mm-hmm. are changing. So just hang in there. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about some ways to help us discover the greatest strengths in our lives and you know, I think that as we've gone here, you know, we've established even with the verse that you shared, you know, from uh, that Paul said, you know, the careful exploration to discover, you know, who you really are, why you're mm-hmm. here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, God really, like you said earlier, he isn't trying to make it a big puzzle. It's mm-hmm. just it's just that he does want relationship. And like anything, it's going to be a process. He, he's just mm-hmm. not going to give it all to you right now because mm-hmm. that's just not how it works. So yeah. when someone's trying to discover strengths, what are some ways that they can, um, some things that they can do to help? Well, one of the things that's, that can be very helpful is to ask yourself, uh, whenever I have been kind of in my groove, even when I was little, what was it that I was doing? What was it that I was all about? And, uh, you know, so you, you go back and you look at yourself in the sandbox was I, was I telling people, um, you know, was I organizing things? Was I the one over in the corner uh, creating things? Was I running out and getting more sand? Was I, you know, what was, what was it that I was doing? And when I was in high school and, and, you know, junior high and high school and college, what was I doing? And these would be things like, you know, was I always um, 
kind of pursuing things? Was I developing things? Was I directing? Was I encouraging? What kinds of verbs has my life kind of always been about? And um, when I talk to people about when we when we do a full conversation about your divine assignment, um, so to speak, we look at your greatest strengths and we also look at your central passions. So I, when I'm looking at someone's greatest strengths, I'm looking at, at what is it that you've always been about? What have you been doing? So my, my central or my greatest strength, as I began to understand it, had to do with things like encouraging, urging, um, uh, celebrating, that kind of thing. For other people, it will have something to do with supervise or teach or, um, you know, unify or welcome, all kinds of things. Um, and then you take that and you pair that with uh, what you believe to be your central passion. And your central passion is what you think the world needs to have more of. So it would be something like kindness or generosity or wisdom, um, uh, you know, self-discipline, that kind of thing. And so you put these two words together, you use your greatest strength and you use your central passion and you get this two-word mission statement that helps you really kind of get on track. So, for example, my central passion is wisdom. My greatest strength, as I've discerned it, is to stimulate things. That's what I've always done. I've just always been stimulating or um, trying to get people to do things or whatever. And so my two-word mission statement is to stimulate wisdom. Wow. And so every, it's awesome because every day I wake up and I go, okay, what is it I'm here for? (laughs) Okay, I'm here on the planet to stimulate wisdom. That's what God sent me here for. Isn't that awesome? It so is. So I'm you, doing. I'm doing mine right. I'm doing mine right now yeah, as we're talking. I yeah, hope you guys yeah, are doing this thinking? too because it's fun. So, yeah, what are you, um, you know, my mission, vision statement, and I do. You guys, I do that training over at marnie.com. Mission, vision training. It's a very short training. It is just wonderful. It goes through. And I, I see that you're a Lori Beth Jones fan too. So am oh, I. Oh my just, gosh. Oh, I love Lori Beth. <laughs> the book, the book, Changed the path. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The book, the path, was amazing. Oh. Yes. Um, and still is still is one of the books that I just keep at, at hand all the yes. time. But, yes, but um, but yeah. So uh, mission vision. So my vision or my mission statement rather is I exist to encourage women, provide them with practical help, and turn their thoughts toward Jesus. And God just gave me those three sets of words in the kitchen one day when I was in my early 30s, and I had no idea what it meant. And uh, so later on, he showed me, oh, this is your your mission. But when you're talking about this, just the two words, if you go greatest strength um, and then central passion. So central Mm -hmm. passion, I would say for me, is perspective transformation. That's my central passion. That's what I think the world needs is it needs Mm. to have a different perspective. And so maybe what I am is the transformer. So I transform perspective. I don't know. Yeah. Let now just listen to that for a minute. And really, if every day you woke up and said, okay, my mission is to transform perspective. Holy cow, you could live your whole life doing that. See, that's what I think. And and that's what this was really exciting to me because I'd never thought about nice. it in exactly these terms. I love it, love it, love it. Nice. So that's cool, you guys. Just play around with that a little bit. If you're if you get yes. stuck, go go take the mission vision training and then come back and do this two word thing because this yes. is really cool. Yeah, very yeah. cool. So uh let's move on and talk a little bit about mental trash because that mental can trash. really <laughs> we yeah. talked a little bit about it earlier, you know, um, in that, you know, when we have anxiety and different things like that, we can say, mm-hmm. who's my audience? Who's my audience? Mm-hmm. Why does this anxiety need to be here? And I always say that I would have so much more faith if faith in God if it didn't feel so irresponsible. Um, but, you know, <laughs> when, you know, when I'm facing a financial crisis that just, you know, threatens everything and, it, you know, it feels very irresponsible to just, uh, faithfully just give it to God and trust him and move on with a joyful attitude. It feels very irresponsible, like I'm not taking mm. it seriously. And in fact, mm. it's kind of interesting. When my children were young, especially during their teen years, they oftentimes did have the perspective of me that I was simplistic because I seemed not to mm. uh, cave in under the, under the pressures 
of those kinds of things. But as they become adults, they've all gotten back with me and said, now I see what you're doing. That's really (laughs) good. But it can look, it can look, um, it can look weird. It can look irresponsible. It can feel irresponsible. But that's where a lot of our junk comes from is that we're really just Mm -hmm. not doing the right thing with our junk because we have reasons. We have really good reasons. Mm -hmm. And when you say really good reasons, you're saying I have really good reasons for having this junk? Well, for holding, yeah. Because, you know, yes, I'm agreeing. I'm going to say one example. After my father died, uh, my father died very suddenly. We were going to have supper. He'd been, him and my mom had been up at our house for two weeks helping with the store, and uh, they drove back down to Minneapolis, which was like an eight-hour drive. And the next day, we drove down for a buyer's show, talked to them on our way into town. We're going to go over and have supper with them afterwards. And we went into the buyer's show, and we came out into a lobby in the ho- hotel there where the show was, and I had a, missed a call, so I just listened to my message, and the message said, Marnie, your dad is dead. Click. Oh, and, Yeah, and it was just this amazing shock. Just, It was just oh. unbelievable. We had just been together. We were going to just be together. He was just fine. Did he get hit by a car? What happened? And um, someone looked at me and said, are you okay, ma'am? And I said, I, said, I, I think we have to leave right now. And so mm. we started walking out to the van across this parking lot. And I just, I kicked into what I always kick into. So just my 911 is Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I just started mm. to his name. And we're mm. walking across the parking lot and we didn't even get to the van and God just showed me something. And I turned mm. and I said, Dave, if it's true that my dad is dead, then I know that he got to go home in the exact way he wanted. He always prayed that he wouldn't live a long time and be a burden to his. He just had four girls and he just never wanted to be a burden to us. And so he had prayed that he would be able to go suddenly. And I thought, well, if he did, it wouldn't be my thing, but it would Mm -hmm. be his answer. Mm -hmm. And the kind of peace that that brought me, I mean, Mm -hmm. I still grieved and I still suffered, of course, Mm -hmm. but the kind of that that brought me was so supernatural. It was so beyond anything. I just Mm -hmm. leapt right over several of the grieving stages and uh, mm. never did have to go back. It was just an instant healing. But did that look irresponsible? In fact, did that look uncaring and unloving to others? Yeah, it kind of did because I mm. just didn't suffer as much as maybe mm. I should have, you know? Mm. So mm. when I say we have reasons, you know, we have reasons. You've, you've experienced, you know, you listen, you guys have experienced something from God. And it's so supernatural that, like Moses, you put a sheet over it so people couldn't see how much your face is glowing because it's just kind of embarrassing to have that much peace in that situation or to have Mm. that kind of thing happen in our lives. So when I say reasons, that's really what I'm thinking about. Mm. Mm. That's very interesting. Very interesting. I, um, yeah, that, that is super interesting I think I, you know, I, I have watched people. I've never been through anything really super jarring um, yet. Um, and when, so when I watch other people do it, um, I think sometimes uh, we can't really understand how peaceful that person is because we're not there and God meets us where we are so i'm not there in that shocking jarring place so god doesn't i don't need that kind of peace (laughs) does Mm -hmm. that make sense yeah you were there in that place and so god met you where you were and um so yeah we can't we can't let what other people might think of us um dictate to us how we're going to respond to something Right. Yeah. Right. And and when we're coming, so we started we started the conversation here on tackling mental trash. And I think the key thing here is that um, in my book Flow Through Vessel, I talk about the dump truck, and a lot of us think that we're supposed to be the dump truck, and <laughs> that people are supposed to just be able to throw their trash in us, we smash it down, we take it somewhere and get rid of it. But actually, God is the trash man. We're just supposed to take the trash out to Him and let Him take it away. 
He really mm-hmm. just wants to take that trash. He doesn't want mm-hmm. us to be hoarding it and smashing it down inside of us for, you know, a long time. It just it doesn't do well in there. We weren't really built to be trash compactors or trash carriers at all. We're just supposed to receive it and release it up to him. I mean, that's, that's the best thing I can think to do with trash ever is just give it to Jesus, and he's the only one that can handle my trash. Mm. 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 I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, in in the Divine Assignment book, when we talk about mental trash, we're, uh, basically we're talking about things that get in the way or mindsets that get in the way of being able to fully live into our divine assignment or what we feel, um, what we're experiencing as the call of God on our lives. And so when we're feeling disconnected from God, what is what is it that's going on? What's the mental trash, you know, mm. that, that's happening mm. for us? Because we, we all have points, at least I do. I'm just going to put it right out there where right. I, you know... It, it, have been have felt disconnected from God and and what was it that was happening for me what, mentally what was what was going on for me um, that had me in that place and so um, you know I I see the mental trash as things like ingratitude and and uh, you know a sense of unworthiness or one of my personal favorites was being unforgiving. <laughs> You know, and, and, uh, you know, these things that these mental states, this mental garbage that keeps me from truly feeling connected to God and then consequently connected to myself and then connected to others. And so, you know, what, what do we do with, you know, the, the ingratitude what do we do with unforgiveness what do we do with a sense of unworthiness and and i think a a lot of it has to do with what you were saying just a few minutes ago and that is you know really spend some time um letting the holy spirit move in us to help us to see where that comes from and and then to you know let it be healed to to let it to to let go of it and to um here we go again with the script writing but rewrite the script you know if if ingratitude is keeping me from god or you know it was we were talking about a little bit earlier i'm comparing myself to other people and the score doesn't seem to be even you know and i'm kind of upset about that then i need to you know sit with god and say hey god where's that coming from you know where where is that in inside of me that that that's coming from and and can you help me bring that to the surface and rewrite the script so that i'm i'm i love your word transformation so that i'm truly transformed in the process and i'm not just shoving it down going oh, i'm just not going to be ungrateful anymore okay done you know but really processing through my sense of unworthiness or my sense of worry or my sense of un, you know unforgiveness so that I can be healed of it and um you know grow closer to God and grow closer to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Absolutely. Are you familiar with Dr. Caroline Leaf's work at all? You know, I nope. have heard of her work. I have not yeah. engaged any of it. Yeah, it's really really good. Her last name is Leaf yeah. like a Leaf L E A F, but um, it, she has she's done a lot of mental uh, imaging, some brain imaging mm, uh, studies. Mm, mm. What they're finding now, and and she just is so great because she talks about how you know all the self help stuff that's out there. It's like most of it, a lot of it is based on biblical principles. They're just leaving God out of it, you know. Right. Uh, which <laughs> right. you know, okay, so let's let's get God in the rightful place where He belongs in the center of it mm-hmm. and get some lasting transformation. Mm-hmm. But she talks about she talks about actually rewiring. You know, you're talking about rewriting yes. the script, which is actually yes. it's actually possible, you guys, to rewire our DNA. Yeah. Um, and how that's done is by relearning a habit, just to take an yes. old habit to replace it with a new habit and get it mm-hmm. all the way to automation. Which a yep. new habit can be just barely developed within 21 days, but 
some of them take, you know, 65 days to just get to basic automation, and some of them can take three to eight years to really be locked right. in, depending on how long we've been doing it the other way. So yeah. I think that, you know, this, this conversation we're having, while it sounds really simplistic, it's very critical. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's back, to, it's back to the transforming of the mind mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. doing. Yep. You know? And yep. this is what we have to keep working on. Don't don't stop working on this. This is yep. so so important. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna I, move on, I but agree. did you have any did you have any final thoughts here on the mental track? No, point? that's that I, I think that was a good conversation on that topic. Yeah, it's good. And you know, I loved what mm-hmm. you said too about just sitting down and saying, Why am I feeling distant from God or why am I having these anxious thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I used to, whenever I would get anxious as a, a young adult, a teen, late teens and young adult, I would uh, actually get stomach like ulcer. I mean, I got checked for all kinds of things, colitis and different things because my stomach would be so upset if I was upset. And it yeah. was interesting because my body would react before my brain knew I was upset about something. Is that <laughs> the truth? Yes. So, what was interesting is then I became, uh, then a little while later, then I became pregnant with our first child, and I couldn't do my normal run, take a bunch of Maalox, and, you know, uh, medicate this thing away. I had to actually take ownership of what is causing me anxiety. You know, and I was really kind of forced into it. And for some of you, you're maybe later in life, and you've never really taken time to figure that out. You've never had to. And mm-hmm. so your body's giving you signals, but you're like just mm-hmm. medicating it or whatever. Just these are actually wonderful red lights mm-hmm. on the dashboard of your car saying, I need service mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Run me to Jesus. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Okay. So we're going to kind of yep. shift gears here and talk a little bit about disruption because um, we have, I, I already know, Robin, from your work, that you are much like me in this, that you like all your ducks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> you like to plan. You know, not too much of a last-minute girl. Like, you can plan out a little bit. And I'm still like that very, very organized I am. And so when I have it all organized and planned out and then things just go all haywire, it is that is a challenge for me. Um, yes. I've gotten, I've gotten, again, it feels irresponsible not to have it be a challenge for me. That's my job yeah. is to organize the world. That's my so, job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm failing. Things are falling apart. No, but I mean, it, it's been it's been a long process, and I'm still in process. But I've just had a lot of healing in this. But the reality is that when life when life really just takes um, crazy turns, throws mm-hmm. curveballs, explodes, um, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty tough to retain peace. Um, peace and faith in those seasons, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it's it is absolutely stunning to me that we're having this conversation right now. Because my parents were here, and um, without dis- divulging too much, um, there is something that's going to be life changing for all of us um, pretty soon in uh, in their lives, and. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm almost 60 now, so I've kind of weathered a few things, even though it, you know, nothing really, really big has hit that, you know, at least it didn't feel like that to me. Um, but I was able to hear them and to sit with them, and you know, at one point, I mean, my husband was with us too, and at one point, somebody said are you okay? And I said, you know, I really am because this is, this is something that we're all going to work with together. And it's all, you know, something that's all going to, it's not what we want, but it's something we're all going to work with together. And, and as I went to bed, I was thinking about it and I thought the reason I can face this and we can all face this together, is because my divine assignment is to stimulate wisdom. And mm-hmm. nothing can shake that. Mm-hmm. That is what God has sent me here to do. And so I need to stay true to my divine assignment, no matter how the ship is right. pitching and rolling. <laughs> 
You know, I right. mean, we've, right. we've all right. had kids go down the wrong Love path. That. We've all had kids, we've all had, you know, strange diagnoses. Um, we've all had, we've all lost jobs. We've all, you know, ha- had divorces, um, uh, you know, just all kinds of things that rock our world. But I really honestly believe that as long as I understand and grasp the core of the fact that I am first a child of God and that I have a divine assignment, yeah. I can I can move through that. Hmm. I can. Move you know what I that. what I really love about that story you just told and how you said you know I just simulate wisdom. That's what I'm here for, and I can do that no matter no matter what's happening on the ship, the picture that came right away to my mind was how urgently important it is when a ship is in distress at sea Mm -hmm. that people stay at their post and do their job. (laughs) Nicely put. Right? Nicely put. Absolutely. Yeah, and and the temptation is to go help the captain or... You know, to do to just abandon abandon ship, just abandon ship. Yes. You yeah. Know, I, I loved I love that analogy, that picture there yes. of knowing who you are, knowing who mm-hmm. you are, and knowing what you're supposed to do. Yes. Beautiful. You know, it's so. It, it, we are not the the central identity of each of us is is child of God, and not the roles that we play, not the jobs that we hold. Not any of those things, but there are so we're we are so tempted to well you know my my divine assignment is to be a mom or my divine assignment is to be a worker at such and such or whatever and or or my divine assignment is even you know to use one of my gifts in writing or something like that, and that's that is not it because what happens, and this I learned from Lori Beth, you mentioned Lori Beth a, a little bit ago, but this I learned from Lori Beth what happens if I get really sick and I can't go to my job anymore or what happens when my kids grow up and leave the nest or what happens if um, I can't use one of my gifts, does that mean that I cease to matter and that I cease to be um, some, someone that God can work through and whatnot. And, um, you know, a few years ago I, uh, there was a diagnosis that um, we thought I was going to have uh, of cancer and, um, you know, so the doc said, yes, this is a possibility. And I remember sitting in my office and going, oh, no, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do in life if I'm, like, in a hospital bed and blah, 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 because I, I can go from zero to catastrophic in, you know, 2.0 seconds. You and me, um, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and so there I am having this catastrophe in my office. And the Holy Spirit just almost, it was almost like he just kind of, you know how you, when you're joking with somebody, you jab them in the, in the arm and you go, hey, 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 hey. And, and he's, and, and the Holy Spirit said, your divine assignment is to stimulate wisdom. Can you do that in the hospital bed? And I said, yeah. Can you do that if you're hooked up to, you know, radiation and all that and and chemotherapy? Yeah. Well, so stop worrying about it. (laughs) Right. Right, no, it's so true, and that was a real eye opener for me. That no, it I, I has nothing yeah. to do with my external circumstances. Yeah, and so I have a verse. life is going to interrupt. Yeah, I have a verse I want to share with you today, um, with all of you, I guess. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy thirty-one six. This is from the Message Bible. I just love how it reads here. Be strong, take courage, don't be intimidated. Mm-hmm. Don't give them, which it could be anything, whatever adversaries, mm-hmm. whatever thoughts you're having, whatever. Don't give them a second thought because mm-hmm. God, your God, is striding ahead of you. Mm-hmm. He's right there with you. He mm-hmm. won't let you down. He will not leave you. Mm-hmm. Isn't that mm-hmm. beautiful? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It begins with whose we are. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to who we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to what or to mm-hmm. whom we serve. You know, I mean, that's the next mm-hmm. thing. But, but it's always whose we are first, and that's that's really the one that just can't be mm-hmm. shaken. Yeah. Yep. yep. So let's talk about yep. uh, the only way to be sure that we're really partnering with God full time. Hmm. That is such a great question. And on the surface, it sounds 
like almost a trite answer, <clears throat> but anybody who has who anybody who is living life with <laughs> all that life involves <laughs> knows that this is not a trite answer. Right. That it is hard work, and that is you, we have got to stay connected to the source, right. and we have we have got to stay. We, we just need to, whatever whatever way it is that works for us, whether it's, you know, set your watch for, you know, every hour on the hour to ding and you say, hi, God, here I am. Um, I'm yours. You're mine. What are we doing now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, um, and not to be so tied to outcomes that we can't be open to unfolding miracles. You know, not be so tied to it has to be this way or this way or this way, um, that we can't just sit sit with God and say, okay, here's what happened today. What what do you have to tell me because of, you know, this? Um, there's a, a process that I recommend for people a lot, and it's called the examine. And it's a process where you sit in the evening and you just spend a few minutes with God and you say, God, let's, you know, let's review the day. Here's where I felt most loving. And here's what was happening. And here's when I felt least loving. And here's what was happening. What are you, te- what are you trying to tell me? Hmm. And I, I, I just think, you know, if the more we can stay connected to God on a real basis, and, and by real I mean, just be in me, you know, just be in me with, with my God, um, recognizing that I am unconditionally loved, that I do not have to do, I don't have to make everything perfect about myself before I go to, to God, you know, and that um, uh, God loves me with my, with my foibles, faults. <laughs> Foibles, faults, and but God loves me too for when yeah. things go right, you know, and when when I'm in, in my groove as well. And so, just to develop practices, I think is what I'm trying to say. Develop practices that keep us in touch with God, and I like that. To, yeah, I like to use the phrase consciously aware because. God's yeah. presence is always available to me. I don't have to yes. go special, do anything special. Right. Um, he is always right here with me, but I am not right. always consciously aware right. of him. Right. So that's kind of right. what you're saying. I, it's funny because I think yeah. I have a sister that, you know, she, she always is, she's always, uh, when she's anxious or whatever, she looks at the clock and so many times, this is God and her thing, but so many times it'll either be 111 or 333 or, you know, uh, 123 or something. You know, she'll just burst out laughing and say, right, you're here. You know, but it's her thing. And, and like you said, That's just it, figure it right? out. Just figure it out. Just you and God. Right. It's a personal relationship. Right. He can talk to you. Right. Uh, whether it's goosebumps or whatever it is, just right. know that God loves you. And he's reaching out right. to you. And he, he just right. wants to uh, share uh, share his life you first so that you can yeah. share with everybody around you. Yeah. Robin, this hour has what? flown by such <laughs> a delight. I know, right? How does this already go? <laughs> oh. Well, like I said, I wrote down a lot of what you said, so, you know, it might uh, show up in one of my uh, conversations <laughs> with people. Oh, that's great. <laughs> you guys need to check out Robin's stuff. Uh, she does have uh, a page over at Amazon. Chaddock is spelled C-H-A-D-D-O-C-K. Be sure to check mm-hmm. that out. You can also mm-hmm. find her on Facebook under Robin mm-hmm. Chaddock. 1-B-R-O-B-I-N. Chaddock mm-hmm. at Facebook. Robin, God bless mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marnie. <laughs> God bless you, too. This has okay. been joy. <laughs> 